Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Af Malhotra, your host on Straight Talk. Now, once again, I bring you a phenomenal guest and uh, someone who is uh, dedicated to transforming the way leaders, managers, decision makers evolve, grow, prosper, and harness their skills. Uh, today, I have a an individual who is not just a business leader himself, but has dedicated, again, like I said, his life to building frameworks and strategies under the, the banner of valuepreneurship, which is his term. It's a powerful term. And I came across this term when I spent time with our guest today in a, in a conversation in a pub, which was supposed to be for an hour. And then we three hours later, we're looking at our watches thinking, wow, we need another three hours at least. And valuepreneurship is, uh, I'll, I'll ask the, my guest to describe this, who I'll introduce momentarily, is really all about um, breakthroughs. And it's about trying to sort of take yourself in this new stratosphere where success, whatever you that means to you, you know, achievements, accolades, attainments, they come faster. They come um, with greater fulfillment. Not saying failure doesn't come your way, not saying, you know, upheavals won't come your way. Your ability to then cope with the tough times, to cope with complexity, to deal with uncertainty, just becomes so much easier and manageable with many of these techniques that my guest today, the great Sanjeev Lumba, has uh, developed and come up with. So Sanjeev, welcome to the show. You are, of course, the author of, and I must put up the book, a very, very um, compelling, almost a manual. I don't think, I mean, a book is underselling it. I said to Sanjeev when I was going through the book, it's a manual. It is almost, it's got indexes, it's got chapter after chapter, and it's almost a necessary mandatory purchase for anyone in leadership. The ninth gear. Now, you're going to tell us all about it, but first, welcome to my show. Thank you for giving us time. And um, how do you feel today? How do you feel being on Straight Talk? And I hope you're excited because we're well, having a conversation. Well, extremely. I, I, and since we had that conversation in the pub, I've really been looking forward to it because I think you're the the, the angles that you seem to take out, Af, um, just uh, inspire me and make me feel that yes, I think I've written the right book. Um, you know, so I've been I've been looking forward to this. I'm, I really am. <laughs> thrilled, thrilled. Okay, we're going to go right into it because there's a lot to discuss. We always start straight talk with, you know, the unpacking of you, your personal story. Who is Sanjeev and what do we need to know about you so we can better appreciate and understand the why, the purpose behind the book and, of course, everything else you do from here on. So tell us a little bit about you, your background, where did you start your career, your work, your life, and uh, that would be amazing. Cool. Um, you know, this whole story of valuepreneurship kind of seems to go back to when I was training to be a, a junior auditor. Um many 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 decades ago um and it it was uh it was then that i i realized that i understood i i used to end up spending a lot of time with the client speaking to them about oh you know you could do a new strategy here you could do a new product there you know you your, your people are being underutilized here and, and and my audit managers used to get very upset with me because they used to say sanjeev here's the blue pen here's the red pen tick and bash invoices you know that's what we're paid to do we're not paid but that taste for just seeing how we are very often uh, seeing the world, seeing business, seeing people the wrong way around because of the me 
focus because it's it's I make it about me. I make it about you know what what I can get out of it, and then very soon that turns turns into some sort of a mundane process to which we all become slaves. Yeah, and we miss the essence, and the essence is that I am nothing, nothing, but an instrument of value. That's what my education, my my training, my skills, my products, my talents, my my, my experience doesn't belong to me. Mm. It 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 happens to be in my bag. It's it's a gift. That's and, it, and that's not my legacy either. My legacy and whatever. It's the impact that I can make. It's not the assets that I have, but what those assets impact in terms of value. So then I named my company the Real Potential at that time, mm-hmm. uh, and I said that this is what I'm going to do in life. I'm going to help uh, people and. And the day I qualified as an accountant, literally the day I qualified, I quit. I went on to Cranfield. I did an MBA and all that kind of stuff. But then, uh, post Cranfield, there was a temptation and and consulting firms and so on. When they read your, you know, what your direction is, they 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 said, Sanjeev, have you thought about this? And McKinsey's thought, thought, have you thought about that? And and my thing was this: that I have no right to sit in front of anyone and teach them anything on strategy or leadership or guide them anywhere or coach them in any way if i haven't done it myself sure absolutely and that's when i embarked on a on a career which was a corporate career as finance director marketing director strategy director ceo of different companies different industries different countries and different countries as well but this was by design because i wanted that breadth of experience and that was actually running corporations was my university Mm. do what i do now because when we when i was able to that's where i honed these ideas around valuepreneurship and really saw that goodness me it works and and it 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 was it was compelling because i i was just exposed in my own mind to see that guys we're missing a trick we're doing this the wrong way around mm. we're just doing it the wrong way around we're trying to to put product out there in, and that's not innovation to me that's invention Innovation right. is coming from the other way around. It's it's coming from saying, you know, who's out there, what's changing in their world, and what impact can I make? And then, and then, and only then do I design. And that, and also, there's integrity in this in this approach. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I've done. Um, and after that, after running those corporations and things for the last 25, 27 years, I've I've been then doling this stuff out to <laughs> to. To companies, uh, to leaders, organizations, uh, globally, literally globally, right. Um, right, companies right. like Johnson and Johnson or Unilever, whoever. But it's it's getting them to to be able to see it, and mm. and those who do, and the leaders who do implement it. Um, I'm I'm humbled to say that that the, the the results are something kind of well beyond what they even originally thought. So right. Yeah. Right. Wow. So you. So let me just backtrack. So you essentially um, had this instinct and this almost calling to some to some degree, maybe realization that your impact has to be significant, and you're more than just you know the sum of your assets, really, or your accreditations and qualifications, and your ability to influence and change people's way of thinking and life and then of course culture and so on was really most important to you and then of course you went on off and did it and I think that's the one thing I did want you to mention because 
it's very important to walk in the shoes of, and when you're mentoring or you're coaching or you're advising as you do so well in so many large organizations, you have to have that real life experience. And I have to say, you know, this, this is straight talk, right? As you know, I, I think the deepest frustrations one has, and you will know this, is when you have individuals, and I won't name who they are, which companies they're part of, but individuals who have academic experience in the sense that theoretical experience, conceptual experience, and albeit that that experience is phenomenal. And when you sit across them, you're impressed because they know so much and they reel off case study after case study. The emotions, however, and this is this is how it works, whether you take a Navy SEAL who goes on a mission or a corporate CEO or C-level executive or a sales guy for that matter, who goes and pitches on the front line, until you're put in a situation contextually, until you're put right on the front line and you are enacting, you're executing, all of that is just really interesting theory. Because when the emotions go nuts, and explode. Your amygdala gets hijacked. You know your limbic system is all over the place, or not. And you know you're you have to make tough decisions with a lot of uncertainty. That's when you truly realize what works and what doesn't. And one of the yep. things one of the things about your book, and I do want to lay this um, out really clear, is 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 the fact that what you have written here, what you've put together here, which is I guess your entire career, like culmination of everything you've learned, your models, your techniques, a lot of your own IP, it, this is about getting things done. This is about pragmatism. Yeah, we can intellectually debate many things and we should. This is about actually picking this up and enacting it, right? You, to using it in a Absolutely. job, correct? You, you, you nailed it because I, I remember it was actually um, just over a year ago. I was uh, sitting in on a beach in Crete um, right. to just literally finishing it off. That's the way I operate. You know, I, I've got to be in kind, kind of a water water surrounded inspirational environment. But uh, there I was, and I got a call from my publisher, and he said that Sanjeev, man, five hundred and fifty pages is is just it's just too much. It's it's a big book, and you know, let's be practical. And then there was an. Uh, I mean, he's a he's a he's a very very good guy, very smart. But you know, he and he was also thinking commercially. There's no doubt, and he was thinking, let's do volume one and volume two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and and I'll, I'll I'll tell you where this this links to exactly to what you're saying. And he said that uh, let's split it into two volumes. And I said, mm-hmm. okay, Andrew, um, what's your idea? And he said, look, I've been through it, and you've got the whole philosophy and the culture of value and and the delivery of value, valuepreneurship. Um, and the ideology is very, very strong. And then, and then you've got the the step by step technique and framework and model and how to to do it. Uh, and he said, "There's the split. There's the split. Mm-hmm. So let's do volume one, which is the ideology and the culture and the theory, and then put all the the technique into volume two. And I said, "Yeah, okay, let, sure. Let me." And then I woke up at three in the morning the next day, and I was really feeling uncomfortable. Mm. And and I called him first thing, uh, and I said, "No, Andrew, no, 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 no. I it, it is it. I would be failing, and I would be cheating uh, people if I didn't give them the how, and only told them the what, um, yeah. and, and saved it up. Uh, so so that is why you're absolutely right that in everything I'm saying, behind every single point, it's it has to be backed up." Right. By real life examples, examples of when, and you know, I'm saying that look, when I was at when at Johnson and Johnson, we did this at uh, uh, at, at uh, Cognizant, we did that or whatever. 
So, and then behind it, here, here is how to make it happen. Even the behavioral stuff, not just right. the strat strategic and leadership uh, models and so on. And, and I think it's important. And, and you're right that life's experience is what the human, um, the, the, the human, the, the total human, there's a beautiful word, tajurba in, in, mm. in Urdu, which you know very well, that the total experience of what we what we go through is what shapes us and shapes us as people and human beings. And right in the beginning of the book, um, in my dedication, uh, I've uh, one my foremost dedication is to my my father, who's a doctor. And even as a doctor, fine, you can use the right medication and the right processes to make a, a patient well, and that's very practical stuff. But there are stories of him, and he was a doctor in India. He was a surgeon, and there's a story that. The, the the blood has run out. He's operating on a patient. Blood has run out. And he was a group O. And blood is going from one arm to the patient, and he's operating with the other. And 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 my dedication in that is to my father, who was the first value printer that I ever knew. So these kind of gigantic moments shaped, I think, um, and yes, it is a calling. Uh, I can't exactly identify where it comes from. But these are the kind of things that really shape me to say that, no, it's not about what we're doing as much as what we are bringing. Yeah, yeah. And it brings us to a really good point, which is the the glossary really for us and to define what valuepreneurship really is for you. So what, what is valuepreneurship? Valuepreneurship is, uh, is, is the next, um, is is the future of entrepreneurs let's put it that way i don't want to be so rude to say that the entrepreneurship has gone it's finished although I, i'm i'm quite comfortable with saying that because the best of entrepreneurs are valuepreneurs so here's the thing um entrepreneurs the thinking of entrepreneurial thinking is like this um i have a product i have a service how much can i sell who can i sell it to how much money can i make nothing wrong with that it's pretty cool you know and it's brought us up to here the valuepreneur does exactly the same job, the same work, but the starting point is something very different. For them, the starting point is who's out there. Not what I'm able to do, right. but who's out there. Right. Or what's moving in their world, what's impacting their and, and shaping what their mm. value priorities are. Mm. And, and having engaged and understood that, then and only then sets about developing responses to service that value. Mm. so so that's that's the fundamental difference and and actually yesterday i was um in in my link uh, linkedin post where i'm in or no today i think um mm. which is making work meaningful you know someone said recently that work should this this will this will describe what valuepreneurship is right um and uh it, so it's, someone said to me um you know we should always look for meaningful work yes Yes. I, I believe that. I, I think it's it's a it's a very important thing, and yeah. you know, we all have, we are all born with a certain temperament, and that's great. Yeah. But before that, let's let's make work meaningful. Here, this is what we're missing. You know, yeah. seventy, if not eighty percent of people in this on this earth want to be doing something different, something else. Absolutely. You know, and, and there's there is meaning in everything we do. So he said to me, yeah, well, what, what about an office cleaner? Well, absolutely. An, an <laughs> office cleaner who's going in with the mindset of, uh, 
same old office, same old broom, same old material. What a drudgery. I've got to clean that work. It's mundane. And this will this will fatigue uh, him or her. That it'll definitely you know bring down the energy, raise the stress. Their productivity will be lower. Their, their success rate will be will be lower. There's no question. But a cleaner with the mind of saying, "What am I about?" Okay, there's a hundred people working in that office. So with using, I'll use uh, these days. There's COVID, so I'll use this uh, uh, gel or or that uh, virus cleaner or whatever. So now. I'm removing the virus to bring, provide a healthy environment. Mm -hmm. And then by making it super clean and, and, and sanitized and fresh smelling, uh, it'll be a joyful place to, for people to work. So their productivity will go up. So now from being a cleaner, this person has become a bringer of health and productivity. Right. And with which, so which one of those two is going to be more productive, more fulfilled? And which of those for you as the boss of that office mm. Who will you promote? Who will you give a bonus to? Who, you know, you might even say to the second guy or second person that, you know, uh, you, you want to set up your cleaning business? I'll invest in you. Mm. So my argument is this, that valuepreneurship is, valuepreneurship starts from who I'm serving, looking at their value, what's the, the depth, what's the impact uh, of the changes on their world, on their priorities, and then and only then sets about do, make, making his service or, or, or her service or, or product, but then delivers it in such a way that not only are they satisfied, are we satisfied as a valuepreneur, much more fulfilled, much more satisfied, our purpose uh, of, of work is shaped out, a legacy starts to get built up, there's no question about it, legacy is not what we have, legacy is what we have impacted on others. Mm -hmm. right. but, but the other interesting thing is, it actually makes you more prosperous. Mm. And, 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 how, and how, how is that? How is that, Sanjeev? How does it make well, you more prosperous? Well, think about this, Anna. Um, who would you rather buy from? Yeah? Would you rather buy from someone who is trying to flog you stuff, uh, you know, uh, win your contract, uh, try and uh, try and win your business, uh, and and you could just feel that selling you stuff, which is ninety nine point nine percent of of business and selling, or would you rather buy it from someone who is oblivious of themselves, but obsessed with you, mm. and obsessed with with not not just understand. It's like the the are you obsessed with the cleaning, or are you obsessed with the the health and, and and productivity of the workers? Are you obsessed with the surgery you're doing or are you obsessed that, uh, that this patient, if if they wait for one hour, um, you know, the, the, the blood scenario won't be strong enough to to make this this operation work? Where where is 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 our mind and, mm. and that? So who will you buy from? Mm. Mm. It's a simple question. Yeah, and, yeah. And with whom, the entrepreneur or the valuepreneur? Will you argue more and negotiate harder on prices yeah. with the entrepreneur? So if the valuepreneur is going to sell more, and, and I'm, I'm using a selling example, this applies in, in welfare organizations, it applies in sports, it uh, uh, you know, applies in politics or any sphere that, of work that we're talking about. If you're going to buy more from the valuepreneur, if you're going to vote more for the valuepreneur, and you're going to argue less on prices with who's become who's becoming wealthier. Yeah. Okay. So you know what I'm going to ask you next, um, which is um, the reality versus the future we want to create. So let's first start with the more cynical view, in the sense that you are right. There are many more people out there 
whatever the percentage is these days, uh, that want a change. They want to do something different. They're not happy with their work. And gone are the days where they have to wake up at nine in the morning or eight in the morning and go to work because a lot of people do it virtually. So you've now suffer virtually, basically, I mean, you know, or the suffering is less because you're in your own safe environment, whatever it may be. Technical view here. Now, these people there, let's put their argument forward because I know you're brilliant at, at unpacking this. So these people will be like, well, that sounds all very nice, uh, Sanjeev and Af, but in reality, this is what it is. I've got to pay bills. I'm in a job. I don't have a choice. I, I don't have time to think about being a valuepreneur. It sounds all fantastic. Uh, what, what is my route forward? What is my route forward? I'm stuck. I don't think I'm a valuepreneur. Do I have the potential? Yes. Am I in an environment that doesn't allow me to do that? Yes. Um, can I just resign tomorrow and get another job? No, I don't have the, I don't have that. What would you say to someone in that situation? Yeah. First thing I'd, I'd say to them, and, and people often say this to me, yes, yeah, Sanjeev, but in the real life. So you use the word reality. Um, when I'm using the example of my father or, or uh, and these are two very diverse examples, or the office cleaner, um, I'm sure that it's resonating with absolutely any everyone. And if 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 anyone listening to this has, um, you know, a, a, a contra uh, thought on um, on on the on the on the cleaner uh, example, it's a real example. It's it's a down to earth real example. Um, then talk to me and 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 let's discuss this because my the good the. I'm saying this with incredible humbleness and modesty and, and, and gratitude. And that is that in the thousands and thousands of people that, that I've had the, that I've been honored to coach and the hundreds and hundreds of companies, I'm only saying this because of that's my, if you like the, the, the data research. Um, yeah. I have yet to come across uh, a scenario, a situation uh, where applying it to their real today is what happened today in, in the office or in the, for it not to, to apply, I, I, I have yet not found it. So first of all, we're talking about real life. Um, the, 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 the second point you, 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 you made was, um, was about, just remind me, was it about the virtual working or? Um, no, no, well, no, second point was about, you know, the, um, a lack of um, freedom or the yes. mindset, which is, look, I, I have to do this. Yeah. Sounds great. But uh, in reality, this is, I can't, how, how am I supposed to practice this? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So the, the cleaner example is, is right in front of you. Number one, uh, uh, number two, in the, in, again, in the book, the first section is about 110 pages where it's taken me 110 pages to talk about value. That yeah. what, what is value and value is not value added. By the way, value added is a bribe, huh? It's a bribe. Value added is a little bit more product for a little for or service for no more money. So, uh, so engage with what value is. It's extremely practical. It's giving you examples. But in whatever you do, and I'll give you another example. It's in the book actually, um, but but it's it's worth saying it here to, just to make sure that from what you're saying, and I and I fully fully understand and sympathize with this that that people will say, yeah, are you sure this is not a lofty idea? Are you sure that I can apply it in my, absolutely. Um, I was doing a, a program for um, for some youngsters, very talented youngsters for a big yeah. IT company. I was in, in yeah. Frankfurt and uh, and I turned to one young lady and I said, uh, Clara, what are you working on? 
And she said, oh, um, I'm developing digital applications. And I said, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I said, okay, um, who for? And she said, oh, for, for our banking clients, you know? And again, I went, um, so far, it's okay, but it's pretty mundane stuff. Then I asked her a question, which flummoxed her. And the question was, Sarah, why? This, this is the word you used earlier on, right? Beautifully. And I said, why? And she said, I don't know what you mean. Why, Sanjeev? I'm working for XYZ, this one of the biggest IT companies in the world. I'm, you know, I've, I've been recruited there. I'm working on a project. I'm on a project team. I've got digital application expertise and in the financial sector. And, and that's what I'm doing. That's okay. I said, I, I said, guys, it's time for lunch. And it was. <laughs> so at lunch, I was with her Uber boss. Right. Uh, a friend of mine, a client, and I said, uh, uh, so he's a senior director in this company. And I said, Klaus, what is Clara working on? Yeah. And he said, uh, anyway, if even from him, it wasn't that easy to extract what, what I was getting at. Mm. But I did. Mm. Came back from lunch and I said, Clara, do you know what you're working on? Your client is Absa Bank, one of the biggest South African banks. They found a new market segment, which is poor farmers and small uh, tradespeople in the far-flung villages of, of South Africa. Mm. They don't have credit lines, you know. So to buy his feed and fertilizer, he has to, to get the uh, a sack of money, which he's saved under his pillow, and take a perilous journey for two days to, to, to Joburg, and then buy his feed and fertilizer, and then, and then come all the way back uh, with another perilous journey. That's four days of yield. Mm. Your app is solving that. Four days of yield. It's hitting like she didn't even know. And this is my argument. This is my point uh, to 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 you. Af or, and when you when you said what 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 if when people say, well, what about my reality? Look, folks. Look, even before you start looking for for meaningful work, and I'll I'll talk about that in a second. Look for the meaning in your work. We don't even engage with it. We're so wound up with what we are doing that we miss what we are bringing. Mm. We don't even know. Even Klaus, I had to drag it out of him. Yeah. That evening, they invited <laughs> me to dinner in Sachsenhausen, and we were all sitting in a nice yeah. restaurant eating our schnitzel and so on. Yeah. And all 17, uh, all 17 of these youngsters, I mean, they're, they're kind of in their late 20s, early 30s, they all just wanted to, they didn't want to discuss uh, what Bayern Munich did last night. Um, they all wanted to only talk about what their work is and their impact on, on the world. It's, it's actually very simple. So I, you know, so all the, I can carry on giving examples after examples. I'm saying to everyone, look uh, in what you're doing and reach out within that and think. If you don't know it, then understand. Speak to your customers. Speak to whoever you're saying with your bosses, your team members, or whoever, and understand the net impact that it's making and also the impact that it's yet to make or not making. Mm. Then, and, and I'll finish with this part, then by all means, by all means, look at your your natural temperament we're all born with a natural mm. temperament mm. you know in 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 uh, in 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 certain spiritual uh, arenas around vedanta and so on we call it uh, swadharma you know what is your self 
duty in a way, which is your natural temperament that we're born right. with. Right. You know, we can go into that at, at, at another time. But but there is a natural driving fire in each and every one of us. Uh, and that is worth discovering. And, and when you do work which is in line with your natural fire, um, and you've got it's it's courageous stuff. You you know to be able to. I I I know a very wonderful young man uh, right now. I won't name him; it'll embarrass him. He might be watching. He, he qualified to be a doctor, um, but he didn't qualify. He passed all his exams. He didn't wait around for his two years internship and get his his certificate practicing. Rather like me with accountancy. Mm-hmm. You know, the day I, I qualified, I quit because I knew that that wasn't my swadharma. Um, and, 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 and the guy, is, he's, he, he's, been, he's really been stressed out for the last two years because here, you know, his parents have invested in him to do this and he's had to go through it and all that kind of stuff. But his, his mind is in business. His, his mind is somewhere else. His nature is somewhere else. And when we act against our natural temperament, mm. it will grate. It will hurt us. And we won't be that, that successful. So, so two things I'm saying, and I'm, I'm going to keep quiet. First, look for meaning in your work at the moment and the value impact that it's making. And then, by all means, understand, listen to your natural temperament. And then, and then find uh, areas of work within that. Mm. Mm, brilliant, and I, and I that's a that's a great response. And there's something I took away from that, which is really this concept of self belief as well is quite important and self empowerment. Because when you're going through a stage where that example of someone who's a little bit hopeless and says, "Well, I can't do much about it," you, you're reframing the situation and you're saying, "Yes, you can, and you have to." I mean, and I think this is a very important thing in in life. Sometimes you are in situations where they're not of your choice at that moment. You know, not everything's perfect, designed beautifully. There are times when you've got to do things you don't want to do or you're not as happy doing them. And in those situations, you still have to continue to move forward. And what I found, and I'm sure you found this in your work, in your personal life, your professional life and the, the coaching you do, you have to sometimes find a way to find the meaning. Yeah. You have to like, which is what, you know, you're referring to when you talked about that lady, she described what she did. Fair enough. But of course, what you help to do is to, you know, go or go a few levels deeper and figure out the impact of what she does. So, you know, because sometimes what happens is when you enact certain things, you do something like a salesperson goes and has a meeting, a, a app developer develops an app because you're immersed in the work and the activity of doing that thing you don't always look up and look around or frankly, sometimes even have the bandwidth or the energy to think about because I did this, it did that. And that's the impact it had. So that net impact concept is for many people quite um, distant. It's almost a million miles away because they're so detached from the net impact of the work. It's like, you know, someone, I don't know, but an example would be someone who works on MRI machines. For example, someone somewhere in some factory works on the widgets in an MRI machine. It could be widget 97 out of a billion. I don't know. And that person may or may not be motivated, Sanjeev, at that point. But actually, until and unless someone, and this is where external intervention is important, which is what you do. um, But I want to raise an important point point around uh, managers in a second. So in this case, you talk about how you have helped that person see the light and they've like unpacked it. Maybe they've immersed themselves in a situation. You said, go talk to 
people who can guide you and help you think differently. I, I hear that every single time. Now, here's another challenge I want to throw at you, which is when you're a team member, the same team member, you're, you don't have a Sanjeev, right? Okay, we, we, we don't have you, okay? I have my manager. That's as far as it's going to go. If the manager themselves are lost, if the manager themselves believe, oh God, I've just got to do this job. It pays me this much money, right? Crack on with it, will you? You know, to the team and there's that frustration, which is fine. It's understandable. They're not evil. You know, they, they do what they need to do. And if the manager's manager is in the same situation. Now we are coming to a systemic problem, which is what you would describe as cultural transformation may be. Yep. Have you seen that before? And what, what does one do about that? Because it's a real problem. Beautiful question. Beautiful. When it's systemic, and it, so <laughs> uh, I, I'll tell you a story. Um, mm. In in uh, in India, I won't name the company, but there's a, a, in Pune, uh, a, a, like a, a three thousand man organization. It's an IT and BPO type of uh, organized business process right. outsourcing organization, which is um, dedicated to. Um, they are owned by one of the biggest retail organizations in the world in America, right? right. So this American company, retail organization, and this is their, their IT and BPO arm, uh, which is sitting in Pune. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem in that organization constantly was that um, between America and between the, the end, between the actual shop, which is selling cheese yeah. uh, or shoes, uh, all the way back to the person who was writing the code uh, in Pune, uh, there were about twelve layers, and there was and and at every with every layer, the disconnect was was getting wider and wider and wider. Okay, yeah. And the person who's writing code has absolutely no clue about the end customer and and what the issue is. And when uh, someone goes in to pick up his or her cheese. Um, or exactly the right pair of shoes in the right color with the right size, and it's not there, mm. it comes back to a problem of logistics, which then comes back to a problem of um, the, the, the the production, because it wasn't done in the right time, then comes back to a problem, etc. But all the way back through all the layers, through design, through implement, implementation, design, testing, uh, and, and right down to code writing, mm. the, the problem goes all the way, all the way back. And 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 I was seeing, and there were there was, it 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 really was problematic in that company. They were losing so much business and productivity. It was costing them a lot more. There were delays in absolutely everything. Production were at the uh, at, on IT's next to say, and and IT was trying to justify. It, it it was a mess. Simple, fix. I mean, and and uh, this is not just the whole thing. It's, I'm just giving you one example, but just to show you the dramatic if, effect it was. Yeah, I said, guys, uh, they they made a, they made videos, uh, short videos, like two and a half minutes or something. Yeah, of the of the end customer. Uh, and the difficulty that they went through or the value that that they wanted, because why did they come to that shop as opposed to another shop? And then going back to to production and to implementation and so on uh, of the whole chain and how it's impacting the value of the end customer, um, and no one from that day was allowed to put their fingers on a keyboard and write a line of code until they'd seen these videos. Um, right. The result was that there was an instant connection, and that connection was in, encouraged 
and inculcated as a culture through all the management uh, uh, levels and right down to, to the, yeah. the programmer. Uh, and they just wouldn't even be allowed to put their finger on the keyboard. Mm. And suddenly, the conversations, Af, they, they, they changed. You know, between the US and India, the kind of warfare that was going on, literally, non-collaborative communicative warfare, mm. the, the, the noise came down. Mm. You know, it, it started to work. And it, it, yeah, it took about uh, three months for, for it all to work. Uh, but it's just a simple example and a simple fix. But the point at the end of the day was as simple as this. As a manager, as a leader, my role, my duty is to connect my people, uh, the, the, whoever's working the team, right. with the end outcome and the purpose and the impact that they're making on whoever the end recipient of that value is. Mm. That is leadership in a nutshell. Mm. Mm, beautifully put. It's very interesting you say this. I want to. I want to take us in another, uh, you know, on a parallel path, very similar, which is about leadership effectiveness, right? In these situations where, yes, what you describe seems logical as you describe it. You know, spend time taking through the outcome. In this case, it was videos, whatever technique you end up using. The uh, there's a, there's an issue around change management here in terms of the person you're dealing with, because of course it takes leadership to make these things happen, right? And then you and I sit in a room, we both believe actually you're right. We, first, we have to accept it's a problem, okay? Then once we accept that, we've got to accept that we want to do something about it. You know, it's extraordinary. Some people say, well, it's not such a severe problem, is it really? Because our numbers seem fine. We seem to be doing 20% year on year. I don't see why you have to make a big deal out of this, okay? You could have that situation as well. One leader says, surely in the long run, this is the best thing to do. And the other one says, no, not really. Don't you have anything else to do? Anything better to do? Of course, you know, you're probably bored. So you want to do all of these things. And why do you want to create a mess for yourself? When it comes to culture and change and pe changing people's minds because they have limited beliefs or fixed ways of doing things, because last seven years we've been doing it this way, I don't, you know, I don't see any problems with what you're saying. You seem to have just created the problem right now. You have these type of skeptics, as you know, I'm sure you've dealt with many of them. Um, this whole area of culture is very, very interesting. Now, tell us, I want to ask you two, two, two dimensions of my question, right? The first one is, Maybe some stories around where you've seen the most rigid leaders, you, know, you don't have to name them unless you choose to, who have just made up their minds. Maybe you were forced upon them. Maybe you were forced upon them, as in they didn't pay for you to come in. Someone else paid and, you, and they're like, great, now he's here. What's he going to do now? Help us, help us to understand how you deal with these difficult characters. Not because they were born difficult, it's just circumstantial. That's my first question. Uh, my second question is related to today, and we'll talk about how culture has changed today, like now, and is changing, and how the next generation of leader might behave differently, but we'll come to that in a moment. So firstly, how do you deal with these difficult people who've made up their minds, rigid skeptics, naysayers? Uh, tell us a little bit of how you how you do that. Beautiful, beautiful. You know, before I, I and, and I'll give you one uh, an example or two of yeah. uh, of such leaders, such individuals, uh, and uh, in in the way that you're asking, let's go back to to taking it because you were also talking about change and when change happens, you know what makes us rigid, uh, and what makes us hold back. What is the problem here? Uh, what what was the problem with Modak or with uh, Blackberry or, you know, with Nokia, because like you're saying, 
it's it's very easy to say, uh, hey, you know, these were gigantic brands. Mm. They did brilliantly. They were extremely profitable. I mean, do you remember as a, as a youngster, you know, the Kodak, the the yellow and the orange, and, yeah, yeah. and you know, coming back from holiday and taking your 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 film to boots and stuff like that. And what a brand, man! Mm. Where is it now? Where's BlackBerry? Mm. Where's Nokia? Why? Because they were gigantic, but they did not move with the changing natures of the value of whomever they were serving, which is the market in this case. The beauty, and this is where rigidity causes you a problem because it's not about you. It's never about me. It's never about me. It's always about whom I am serving. That's what valuepreneurship delivers. So the, the point here is that if the market is changing, and I say rigid, I'm burned. I'm gone. I'm finished. Uh, you know, that, that, it's a it's a it's a direct correlation. So does, does and yes, you've been very successful. And people say to me, but Sanjeev, you know, so many companies are successful. You know, they they're not doing uh, value. They don't have they haven't adopted valuepreneurship methodology and strategy and all the leadership and things in their companies. I say, of course they are. Of course they are. There's a market out there. It's there's a gigantic market out there. You know. So if everyone is doing the same. No one is really differentiated, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so, so coming back to this point, rigidity comes from becoming comfortable. I, there, there are two reasons why we become rigid. Either we become so comfortable and, and, and arrogant to say that, that I am successful. Right. Success is probably one of the most dangerous things that can happen to you, actually. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, and, and, the second, and the second reason is because of rigidity, is some sort of self-protection, mm. you know, that I, I want to, uh, the, the, the only way I can protect myself is to not shift and not move mm. from what, and not, you know, uh, and, and I, I don't want to make this political, but we know many political leaders recently mm. who, for not moving, where are they now? You know, mm. um, we, we can see that only because it made, they made it about them. And yes, why not? I'll be open enough about this. You know, when when someone like a, a when when a, a prime minister who, who remains only prime minister for forty four days mm. decides to surround herself with um, uh, with a cabinet of people who are not necessarily the the biggest movers and shakers, but protect her, right? And that will make her look bad. Yeah, will make you last. Uh, so rigidity is is a very very good sign of bringing you down. So the reasons for rigidity is either success and therefore complacency or fear mm. and then you you come onto it now coming back and and kodak they they should have seen that the world was was wanting to go and take pictures on the mobile phone so they were going digital and we didn't do it blackberry you know they should have realized that it wasn't all about a physical keyboard but seeing sport clips on a on a big on a big screen which is where iphone came and destroyed them and so on now, yes, there are so many examples. I would even say that one, at least a quarter of top leaders that I quote, uh, that I that I've had the the honor yeah. of coaching. Yeah. And and another thing I want to point out, you said this just now beautifully that it's not for malintention. 
there's never there's very rarely is there any malintention i don't see malintention this all of this the road to hell was built on good intentions you know mm -hmm. um it's just a human nature that is being express, expressed over here that i need to take control i need to be in control i need to so um at least a quarter fall into this this category and i remember um uh, about a year and a half ago one one person ex, uh, you know senior vice president of a a major, as it happened again, an IT company, um, won't name either, um, was was given to me, but full of resistance that, you know, yeah. who, who are you, you know, yeah. I am, and this guy was the the god of SAP and, and et cetera, it's like technically absolutely spot on and brilliant, but he was, but the, the his entire people organization around him, whether it was bosses or team members or colleagues, were just just couldn't handle his yeah. his aggressiveness and um and and yes for the first two three sessions it it was tough the the change came the moment he realized the moment he realized and and it doesn't take long the moment he realized that actually it's he himself that he's damaging by this because he's shutting down the opportunities if, mm. if his team are not mm. going to leverage their talent and their skills and their innovation capability and their creativity the results that are going to hit uh, in our in his budget directly mm. so when he started to realize that and and he said actually this is really worth it because so then he said mm. yes sanjeev i'm open and when we connected him to uh, and got him to connect his team to the end values of, of the changing nature of the market and the, and the market segments and their values. Uh, it, it, it took six months, Af, but I, I'm in touch with him. He's a good friend now. Mm, mm. Very, very successful. Phenomenal. So, so interesting at that point, it was, we had to be a patient. You had to continue with your work. And then, of course, the trigger event was the realization that if I continue on this path, then the end is going to be nearer than I think. And if I want longevity and I want to be I want to thrive, then I need to make these changes happen. I guess it's, it's, um, I, I mean, luckily we, at the end of the day, we're all human beings and we, you know, we can connect with each other at that level. And some people like data, some people like stories, some people like both and so on. Uh, let me ask you about, before I jump into the next generation, let me ask you about multiculturalism and the bipolarity of culture. I know you've advised and coached companies in all, in all walks of, um, in every industry, should I say. And in different parts of the world, and obviously you have a you are you're bilingual, you know, you know yourself, and you come from a different background too. Tell me a little bit about. Let's take West. I mean, it's a crude term, but let's say West, as in West for me would be Europe, US, UK for now, okay, and everything surrounding it, and East, and East. Let's dominate East with a little bit of more of India, and uh, because I know that's your background too, you could have we could have you know, Southeast Asia as well. Uh, sorry, excuse me, the Far East, where we've got China, Indonesia, and other countries. Tell me a bit about where you've seen major differences between um, leaders in these two countries. What what does one do well, and what does the other do well, and where do they uh, fall short? So like two categories, they do this well, they do this well, they don't do this well, they don't do this well. And because I want to try and figure out what are the main main differences in your in your coaching experience. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. So there, uh, there is an overall answer, first of all, that, that I give. There are cultural differences and cultural nuances. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that, and especially East and West and 
And no, it's not bilingual, it's trilingual. <laughs> oh, trilingual, of course, yes. <laughs> but, but, but you've forgotten French. But anyway, that's just for fun. No, just, just to, the, the reason for saying that is not, not for, for me myself, but to say that um, that level of understanding, an understanding of different cultures comes very strongly through, through language, because language carries with it many, many references of. So um, there's, there, there's one catch-all answer I'll give that in working across these different cultures, different countries, and, and diversity, the beautiful thing about diversity is the essential human condition is exactly the same. Mm. This is one thing we miss. And in you know, in every time a, an organization has said to me, Sanjeev, can you do us a, a program on on multiculturalism? Uh, and 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 uh, I I I, I hold back a bit, I, and I ask them, "Well, what, what, what's the problem? What do you mean?" Because if they start saying, "Well, you know what?" and this has happened to me many times, so let's for a French company, let's uh, we've got a lot of English people coming, so they need to to think like French people and 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 behave like French people in 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 this and vice versa and so on. Yeah, it, it, you're going against the grain, against the nature of the cultural reference that that person has built up, you know, right mm. from the time that they were born. Mm. Um, and, and, and the moment you go against the grain of that nature of that natural culture, you make them uncomfortable. The moment they are uncomfortable, they're pushed further into the me zone mm. and further away from the you zone. So then what happens is that cultural differences start to bite and they become more, more difficult to manage. Mm. So the first thing is that no one was born um, and no one was born a, a Chinese or a Japanese or an American or English or, or whoever. We became these things. You know, we were born just as human as each other. We were born with exactly the same uh, human emotion and, uh, and, and physical makeup. So, so that's, that's an important starting position. Right. So overall, the best diversity is to be uh, in the same way that Within any organization, I work a lot on collaboration. I'm, I know I'm going kind of right, wrong, a long way around, but I'll come back straight into your back into your question about diversity. Mm. But you can think about diversity like um, different uh, functions within an organization. And a finance director and a marketing director who are at each other's uh, necks, because the finance, the marketing director is, and this is a, a real story. The marketing director is saying that that I need to hire an extra twenty five maintenance engineers, and the finance director is saying, "No way, it's a regular thing." You know, mm -hmm. until you start to pool, what is that diverse experience of these people? But the diverse experience of these people can only be pooled over one thing and one thing alone, and that is the end value of the end impact of the end per. per person or people or, or customer who we, you and I are even sitting across this table to serve and service. Right. Right. And the moment you go into that, then your experience of finance and your experience of marketing, let's call that diversity in this sense, suddenly gets pooled and is working absolutely brilliantly. Mm. So, uh, and, and, and when we did that, it was actually for a, uh, electrocardiology uh, uh, medical devices company. But the moment we said, well, you know, stop, guys, 25 more maintenance engineers, what does it represent? Well, you know, et cetera. And it came down to saying that uh, cardiology, private cardiology clinics in France, for them, it's a huge problem if a machine breaks down 
because you, it's costing money. You've got patients who are who are lying there waiting for treatment, um, and twenty five and and by uh, bringing in twenty five maintenance engineers, we can bring the repair down from eight hours to within two hours. So that and and that will will generate uh, another uh, uh, X number of customers, which which mm. turned into eighteen million euros. Eighteen million euros and twenty five salaries uh, pales into ignis- mm. insignificance, but. It's from that value that suddenly the mm. two mm. were using their diverse experience and expertise and pooling it to service that value. So diversity is to be embraced by bringing people together to serve common value. That is that is the thing. Now, coming back to to then your your point between east and west yes there are beautiful things in the east there are beautiful things in the west in the east there's no doubt that there is there's more of an emotional connection you know if you're firing someone mm. um for, for example uh, unfortunately in the in in the east you're not just firing the individual you're firing the entire family right and, <laughs> and having that you know that's because it's all about honor and what will the family think and what will yeah. what will my in-laws think and feel in that kind of thing which is less so in in the in in the west it's more it's more individual so understanding those kind of nuances is mm. is great uh, mm. because it changes your communication patterns that that's what it does mm-hmm. um and and then in in the west the directness is 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 also uh, very good in america uh, the beautiful thing in in america is that look if there's value people put the dollar in front uh, right. Right. in yes. europe in europe they'll procrastinate um you know yes. uh in uh, in in india they'll they'll uh, negotiate in China, they'll positively put you down. <laughs> so, you know, these things go on. But but I've seen that bringing together multicultural teams and working with them, um, it all starts to melt into insignificance when you start building that common goal value mm. of the end value you're bringing. Then look at the different ways that an Indian or an American can can collaborate and use their own cultural references to within that yeah um, it, it it becomes absolutely beautiful so yeah. diversity is i think super powerful super powerful yeah I wonderful I, I mean that's a great example I, I find i find it's amusing because when you look at um you know in the past we've done shows we, we look at things related to um, patterns and nuances in different environments, right? So culture is a good one. Nations and how nations and the origins of culture in those nations have an impact on work life. And then you've got to look at personal life and structures and you know um, values and ideals and habits and all of these other things are super important. I think one of the most important takeaways of what you're saying, and it's, it's important to reflect on this, and as people are listening to the show, you have to sort of pause for a little bit and and digest what you're saying. But I think in, in effect, what you're saying is if you can create a connection between one side and the other side, and you have to work really hard sometimes to do that, you know, don't just give up. So you have to create a connection between what you do and what it's what the impact it's creating, the value, as you call it, it's creating. You it's almost like the way the example I would give is watching something being built from scratch. And then it goes into like a movie and it goes into black and white. 
And then over time, you know, you see the colors change and it goes into HD and then finally moves into 4K and then 8K and whatever the other formats are. And as you enrich that picture and as it gets clearer and clearer and more complete and vivid colors and you feel like you're there, firstly, you have to accept that it's not an instant realization. It might be for some, but actually for most, it's not instant. It's not bang, totally get it. It takes a little bit of time, okay? It also takes support. It takes uh, conversation. It takes dialogue. It takes reflection. And you will have to make some clear, uh, you know, decisions as to, okay, in order for me to feel more satisfied in the work that I do and feel like I'm making an impact and get myself in the right state of mind, because if I'm in this state of mind, I'll do way better, right? To get into that state of mind, I will need to figure out when I code, what my code is really doing at, at the, uh, on the front line. At the yeah. end of the day, why is it important I code? And if I stop coding, as in I don't write this code, what are the impacts and what is the what is the what are the ramifications of me not doing this piece of work? It's really hard, though, right, Sanjeev? Because without being judgmental, because sometimes when the work is repetitive, which is where a conversation around AI needs to come in momentarily, yeah. because AI will replace all repetitive work sooner or yeah. later, and it's already starting to do that. But when work is repetitive, it does get boring. You know, you do it, and you keep you know almost people can close their eyes and do the same thing again and again. In a factory, for example, it's a great example, right? Move one product to the other on the conveyor belt system. Now we have robotics, but th that's been part of it. I guess um, there's another element. So one is connecting meaning with what you're doing in terms of the outcome. The other also is, you know, I would ask you to comment on this, which is the life outside of work. And mm -hmm. I want to give you an example. I was sitting with the CEO of a company, and it's a listed company, and we started chatting and we had a bottle of wine and stuff and it became more real, the conversation. And he said something <laughs> profound to me. And uh, I'm throwing this at you because it's very important to understand personal life because work life is a direct, uh, it, you know, result of your personal life. I would say, I don't think you're devoid of personal life. So he said something interesting to me, interesting to me. And I, we were talking about leadership and empathy and compassion and all these, in, in, you know, good things and passion, the compassion and passion and inspiration. And he said, uh, after a few drinks, he said, Af, what makes you think, I hear what you're saying. He said, but what makes you think I can just turn it on and off? What makes you think I should come into work as a leader and suddenly be passionate and suddenly be compassionate, suddenly be um, empathetic or um, whatever it may be? I said, so what do you mean? He said, because there's one important thing. How do you know that in my personal life, I have any of those things? How do you know that I am... I, have, I see and experience compassion in my personal life. I see inspiration. I am motivated. I see um, empathy. How, how do you know that I don't have any of those? I, my personal life could be a shit show, right? How do you expect me to come into work and just press a button as I walk through the front door in the office and because of my title, I suddenly need to be empathetic and compassionate and passionate and so on and so forth. And I said, fair enough. And I said, well, uh, you're right. You're actually right. You bang on because we we jump to conclusions because we think a C-level executive or some leader in some important position should kind of have this on tap, right? Like it's 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 all happening. Like you just get to work. You're super passionate all the time. And then he said, and the the other thing he said to me is he said, remember it's about phases. There was a time when I was crushing it and I was the best at my work. And there is a time when I'm not crushing it because things have happened in my personal life. So I. 
why I'm saying this is I'd like you to, to touch on, I know you do, the importance of life, your personal life, and living well, generally. Work is important, but it's not the only consideration. You have to look at it in a multidimensional way. So walk me through some examples of where you think things on a personal end have fallen apart and maybe had a negative effect, impact on work. And how do, you, how do you sort of come out of it? What's your opinion on it? You know, the beauty of your comments and your, your thought, your, your thinking pattern and your, 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 your direction of thought, it, it makes me think that, my gosh, okay, uh, should, should we take another three hours on this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I'm conscious of time, but I, I, no, one or two things I, I do want to ask no, you. No, no, no. And, and, and I'm delighted because they, 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 they are very, very linked, but you, you just made about four or five points. And I, yeah. let, me just, let me start in, in, in almost in, in reverse because that's the yeah. hottest. People talk about work life and work and life and work life balance and all that kind of stuff. And yes, of course, there should be. It's it's balancing your recreate. We are we are multifaceted. We have recreation. We have love. We have emotion. We have um, we we have operations. We have to deliver. We have to generate money. So there are these are different facets of our life. In the same way that that in a you know on a weekend you wake up and you do some exercise and you, you practice your music and then you you meet with some friends and then you cook some food. You know it's. Mm. it's these are different dimensions. So why is there? Why do we make such a dif, distinct? Why we di, do we distinguish work and life? Uh, it's a, it, and that unfortunately puts the uh, a, a false notion that that uh, that work is is a necessity for life, mm. and and this is where we go wrong because we start making a distinction, and almost before we know it, subconsciously, we have, we've concluded that work is bad, life is good, uh, and, and start feeling bad about Monday mornings and all that kind of stuff. So, mm. so first of all, that balance is work is a part of life. This is very, very important. It's right. all encompassing. Next point, that the point you mentioned about the, the, the CEO, the senior leader who said to you that, that how can I just turn it on? Uh, that compassion, you know, uh, I can do it at home. Um, isn't that showing the selfish nature of the human being that it's all about me, that I can turn it on because my family, my children belong to me, my friends belong to me, whereas my workers uh, are, are, are someone, some, something else? Mm. No. No, 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 no. Yes, I, and I'm not saying that your emotional connection with your workers is exactly the same with, as with your children. Why should it be? Mm. But, but I am. This we started this conversation, if you remember, by saying I am nothing but an instrument of value. That is all I am. I'm not even my education. I'm not my skills. I'm not my product. I'm not my services. I'm not my education. I'm not. I'm, I'm not a CEO. I am a, a, a bringer and an instrument of value. In that sense, the moment you start seeing yourself as an instrument of value, that degree of care that you have for, for people, for your friends, for your family, why should it be any difference? Yes, emotionally, it's different. Mm -hmm. but, from, but from a delivery point, why is it any different? to people whose life you're employed. You've been an employee. Mm. You might already be an employee. What, do you, what, what kind of bosses do you want? Those yeah. bosses who are thinking about you and about your value, your career, your growth, how is that different to when you're, you're thinking about your, your, your son's expectations of you, right? Mm. So, or your daughter's expectations of you. So we must stop making this, this distinction. 
And the moment that we stop making it about, because it's when we can take ownership, me, mine, my family, then I'm okay. Uh, and and I, if you have the same dimension, and people say that yes, Anjee, but your family is your family, and you know when you're at work, you might not like your boss, you might not like people. Yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to like someone to impact their value. Do you know why? If you are making a decision that I'll impact this person's value because I like them, but not this person's value because I don't like them, and I have to turn it on with this, but I don't have to turn it on with this person, mm. who are you hurt, hurting the most? That person or yourself? Mm -hmm. Because effectively what I'm saying, if I'm making those kind of judgments, I'm if I'm I'm going kind of you you know the beauty of, of speaking to you is that I I'm I'm kind of giving myself the comfort of being able to speak at a at a reasonably uh, elevated level of but elevated is transactional transactional is elevated there's no there's no distinction between the, what is we can even say spiritual and transactional but the thing here is this but if I have a skill if I have a talent. Let's say I'm I'm a teacher, I, or I teach strategy and leadership and so on, and I start making decisions, and I'm teaching every week, and I'm I'm you know next week okay I'm in Dubai uh, okay, uh, if if I find that out of a group of twelve people one of them is not so cool and a bit obstructive, and I decide I'm not going to teach them that well, who am I hurting more? I am not plying my gift because it doesn't belong to me. Nothing belongs to me. My my gift is not mine. Right. So I'm not applying that to bring any value. So here's the point. My choice of whom I serve and how I serve it, and this is where you don't have to turn on and off anything. Mm. If you build a constant notion that I am but a bringer of value and that my skill, my knowledge only exists to impact someone's value, is that you don't have to like the person. You, have to, you don't have to care for the person. You say, I care for my, my child, but I don't care for my, my team member. Mm -hmm. You don't have to care for them. What you have to care for is the way that you are using your skills to impact their value. So you care for their value, mm -hmm. not necessarily for the person. And the moment you do that, you are absolved of this. And you've moved out of the me and mine, and you're working, and you're work, working in a sphere of I am impacting someone's value. This is the only, you know, when we do disappear from, from the face of this earth, I'm going to get a bit cliched over here. Um, nothing is going to go with you, you know, to, to use the cliche, you know, to even say that this house belongs to me is wrong. Right. Does this house even know I exist? You know, so the question is this, your assets, your, your capabilities, your talent, nothing is going to go forward. Mm -hmm. Yes, there is only one thing that you could call your legacy. Mm. And that is that during that lifetime, how was I able, how much depth of impact did mm -hmm. my skills, my talents, my products, my services, my my capabilities actually make that can never be taken away from you that is right. that's that's in your balance sheet that goes that that moves on so with if, if think of ourselves this this might sound lofty and grand to some people listening saying sanjeev now you've gone into guys i i want to i want to i want to say this loud and clear that this is the kind of principle and thinking it's in the book but we are bringing it into your day-to-day -day transactions any simple transaction 
Yeah. Someone who comes and asks you, then the boss, I I wanted uh, a week off next week. <laughs> no. um, how are you interacting with that person? Uh, how you you know? Whereas if your son says, uh, your daughter says that dad, my iPad is broken down, you you approach it differently. Yeah. Why? Because you know that your you you want your son or daughter to pass their exams, but you don't want this guy to succeed in in your in your organization. So I I can I can go now. Last point. To go back to to where you started your your discussion, I hope that that kind of parallel. Yeah, no, it did. It's, it makes a lot of sense. The, to go back to something that someone said to me about this thing about mundane and boring, that work can become mundane mm, and boring. Mm, mm. Does it apply to that? Does what I'm saying? Well, absolutely. Someone said to me, um, I, I was in in Portugal uh, a few weeks ago doing a program. Someone said to this strategic direction and people leadership or whatever five-day program someone said to me hey Sanjeev how many times have you done this program at lunchtime and I said oh this is my first and they said what you mean we're like your guinea pigs here I mean hey are you, are you, you know? and, and I said no if you say it like that I've done it hundreds of times so he said well why did you say you're doing it for the first time and I said, it's because I, it's the first time I'm doing it for you. <laughs> yeah. And that's what makes it new for me. Yeah. And I never consider it boring because it's not what I'm doing. It's what I'm impacting. It's your value. Yeah. Last week, it was someone else's value. Yeah. And so you and that person are different. So when you're making a piece of widget in a, mach- in a, in, in a factory, that widget today is going to 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 deliver some other mechanical um, solution as yeah. opposed to the widget you made last week. When your mind is there, yeah, it, it all what suddenly becomes. It's not about what you do; it's what you bring. And the yeah. final point is, then they ask me that: What is one single problem that you see in the world today? Is there one? And much that they much to their surprise, I said, yes, there is, because they thought I'll say, oh, there are many issues in the world. And and they said, is there one single problem? You're going around the world, you're meeting different people, different organizations, different levels. Is there one single problem? I said, yes, there is. And he said, what? And I said, it's disunity. Mm-hmm. And in diversity and the work that you are doing in, in DEI and in Diversity Economics Institute, I read that the kind of stuff that you're you 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 you're working on, it's mm. It is, it is exactly where we need to be because disunity is causing, I mean, whether it's at the political level or, or country level or within an organization like the finance director and the marketing director, everyone is at each other's throats. Why? Because we're making it about me. It's too much about me. And that is taking me away from the value impact that I'm able to make because it's more about what I can get and what I'm doing rather than what I'm impacting, what I'm bringing. Mm, mm. The day that we start doing that, we we're, you're, you're we're, spot on, and um, <laughs> you know I think there's there's so much to reflect on and so much to think uh, around in terms of valuepreneurship and how can I be a valuepreneur? How can one be a valuepreneur? And of course, you've got to go on a journey, and that's why the book is important. Very quickly, wh- why is it called the ninth gear? <laughs> okay, so I, I said to you, valuepreneurs are fly way, way, way above entrepreneurs or or anyone. But okay. the the thinking is this: this is nothing to do. If if I said to you, who are the best drivers in the world, technically speaking, yeah, you'd say F one, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, of course. F one, right? They're the best drivers in the world. How many gears does an F one driver have in his car or her car? Don't know, tell me. Eight. Okay. 
And so when you are the best of the best, moving to right. that's the you factor that gets you distinguished. You're not competing right. with anyone. Beautiful. And your ninth, your ninth gear resides inside you in your, in your valuepreneurial um, culture, your behavior in life. Yeah. Wow. Brilliant. Okay. That is, that is absolutely fantastic. And uh, before you, we close off, I just wanted to ask you one more question around, mm-hmm. of course, the book. I want people to buy the book and mm-hmm. where can they buy the book from? Uh, it's it's uh, an Amazon, of course. Uh, it's listed on Barnes and Noble, uh, Waterstones, and so on. Yeah. Uh, but we're in in the world of so it's. Uh, I think you were holding a, 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 a yeah. yeah. So there's the hardback. There's the yeah. Uh, there's the Kindle. I I'm going to say something very strange. The hardback and the Kindle are almost uh, uh, the same price. Uh, I would strongly recommend going for the paperback. Um, yeah. strongly strongly recommend and there's a reason for that mm-hmm. and, and that is that not only have I written it with a lot of love but uh, I've worked also with my publisher to 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 spa- to visually uh, make it uh, more engaging and, and, and easy and interesting to to read mm-hmm. so uh, unfortunately in Kindle that all gets destroyed so yeah yeah that's, <laughs> the t- that's the tough part because of course you've got just for everyone's benefit there are lots of models in here a lot of techniques and models and uh, frameworks and so on and I guess you have to pick up the books to be able to to use them again I must say you know you know this for me is a manual it's like a playbook and it's like a reference book to some extent where you're, you're looking at sections you're like okay I need to figure out pricing I need to look at strategy I need to look at mindset I need to look at stress I need to look at production I need to look at procurement and it goes it goes on and uh, it really is almost like a uh, you know, if you were if you were a lecturer, I'm sure you've done lecturing in universities. This is almost like your your teaching manual, right? To a large extent, right. someone someone stole it and turned it into a book, and uh, <laughs> uh, you did it yourself. So this this is absolutely fantastic. I mean, I, you know, I wanted to just thank you for the discussion today, the time we've had together, and yeah, this this is you know the the power of conversation is that one leads to one topic leads to another one theme leads to another and then you go you know you're on the highway you come off the 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 alleyways and you go deeper into the gullies and you discover more things and then you want to discuss them and you come all the way back to your point it's you know i took away that connection from one to the other has been quite significant in the work you do in especially in valuepreneurship so i'm grateful for your uh, time and your energy uh, sanjeev I, before we close off, of course, I just wanted to get a quick sanity check on how the experience has been for you today. How has this conversation been for you? Of course, you discuss this all day long. This is your bread and butter, but I'd love your input and a little bit of feedback. You know, it's it's um, I I found it a little difficult to write the book. Uh, when I say a little difficult to write the book, every time I sat down to write, I was thinking, who am I saying this to? Right, and that because naturally, but you give me someone live who who's got real thinking and and thought or business and and issues and so on. That's when I come into my own because that, that it's all about solving it for people, uh, you know. Sure. Rather, than, so the, for for me for that reason, this this last hour and a half has been so inspirational and uplifting because the way that you are. Um, Thinking and asking the connections and and uh, the questions and making those connections af is is electric and and that's that's what made it a joy for me and you know so thank you thank you thank you for for raising such sharp 
points and getting me to getting me to learn myself about what I'm saying, you know, and to explore further into and in depth the depths of whether it's work and life or whatever it is. I mean, I'm, a lot of this stuff I'm just making it up on the on the hoof. But that's thanks to you and your questions. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate the feedback. We'll absolutely have you on the show. Uh, either when you write your next book or when there is something, uh, you know, bugging you and you need a platform to discuss it, uh, because that's what Straight Talk is all about. Um, where can people find you? Have you got a website or have you have you got, to, you know, LinkedIn? Tell us where we can find you. So LinkedIn, yes, Sanjeev Lumbar. If you if you search me on uh, okay. on LinkedIn, you'll find me there. The, yeah. the website is uh, is is li- simply valuepreneurship.com. Okay. Um, okay. And it's got all my uh, sort of details into my my people and my team in there. Superb. as well. So yeah, you can be. In yeah, touch. superb. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, as as I'm talking to you, you know, um, I'm just just flipping the pages. They're like numerous sections that I just feel like are you know when I'm finished with the call, I'll open the page up. Um, and there's there's section one point two four, page one hundred and fifteen. Who's value onions? Who's <laughs> I don't know what the hell that's about, but I'm going to read it. Um, you know, and it's got a second store luggage to and from India. I mean, this is this is this is magical. Uh, thank you so much, Sanjeev. Real pleasure. We'll look forward to seeing you on the show again at some point. Be well. Take care. For my listeners out there, click on the bottom right. You'll see the subscribe button. Please click. There's a bell. Get the notifications and join this revolution that we're on. It's totally free, not for profit. I want to have one million people watching this, accelerating their knowledge, their awareness, so they're in a better place tomorrow. So over and out, I'm Afmal Hotra, this is Straight Talk. Thank you.